Hey y'all, how you doing out there in podcast land? Man, this week I got a lineup of two amazing guests talking about deconstructing prayer, y'all. Oh my goodness. But before I get to that, I wanted to just remind all y'all, if you find this Profane Faith podcast interesting, helpful, useful, and you see the value in it, I'm going to invite y'all to invite a brother out to speak. Oh my goodness, yeah, shameless self-promotion. I speak on topics of popular culture, right? Hip-hop studies, youth and popular culture, adolescent development, critical race issues, intercultural communication, racial reconciliation, race missions, and white supremacy. Oh, and also religion, youth ministry, missiology and missions, biblical racial reconciliation, whatever that means, and hip-hop and youth ministry in the context of today's era. So go on, go to whitehodge.com. There's a contact form. Hit a brother up. I bring a brother out. I'm booking engagements now for the spring of 2019. I look forward to seeing you and engaging with you. Peace. He said in there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. I think she's a liar, and I think she deserves mockery. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important, white lives are very important, and to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, hey, y'all. How you doing? It's your boy, Dan White Hodge, up in here, up in here. Here we are coming down to the wire of December. (laughs) How y'all doing out there? Oh, man. Well, another week, another here. How'd y'all like uh, Kathy Kong last week? I told you. I told you she was all she was all that and a bag of chips, man. Um, and two a couple of bags of chips, man. I tell you what, um, she's she's great, and I will I, I will bring her back on uh, soon. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first episode I had her on, which is in season one, it was a special issue on gun violence. Uh, she was on with my man. Uh, well, they were t- two separate podcasts, but uh, Dr. Andre Johnson was there, and then uh, Kathy Kong did another episode. So uh, go check those out, man. Go check those out. Well, man alive, this week uh, I met with a good friend of mine, uh, Brother David Dalt. Uh, he runs a radio show called Things Not Seen. And man, I just had a great time talking with that brother. I And, I, and I'm saying that, hopefully he's listening. And, and saying that also, if you haven't checked out that radio station, um, uh, check it out, Things Not Seen. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's He's got some amazing conversations. He's just a great interviewer. Um, I had a chance to go down to his studios and just hang out there um, uh, in the morning. And I'm hoping to bring him on the show as well because he's got um man well i was first introduced to david through a a mutual project we were working on um a writing project uh, back in the day and uh man he just he just stood out he just was able to grab things and 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 you know really get them and stuff man and as an older white male older white cis male um it was just cool to really be able to get someone who 
who is sympathetic to the plight of African Americans, and so you got to hang on to those those older white males that that are that are actually sympathetic and actually wanting to learn more. So, yeah, I hung out with them. Then he did this amazing paper at AAR, American Academy of Religion. Uh, this was back in I think 2011. Um, you know, I'm always going to be talking about AAR. There's always some great stuff happening over there. But it was it was in San Francisco. He did this amazing paper. In fact, I'm going to ask him about it when he comes on um, on 9/11 and this Bible, like this this kind of the mythology around this Bible uh, that fell out of one of the planes or allegedly fell out of one of the planes. And he just talked about just how different people interpreted it, how people looked at it, how people you know engaged with that type of narrative and then that type of space. And it was just fascinating. I was like, man, I got to be this guy's friend. So uh, we've been connecting, and he moved to. Chicago and man we just our schedules were just going in two crazy directions and finally had a chance to sit down and actually have a conversation in regards to my book my new book uh if, if you haven't heard <laughs> Homeland Insecurity but more than that just you know just had a great talk around race and Tupac and to talk about profane faith and what this was all about and everything and so it was just a it's just a really good time it was just a really good time and so I'm just thankful for people like him um, and like J.R. Forsteros, my good man uh, who interviewed me as well. Um, folks like that, it's encouraging to see some white folks get it. Um, and it's, you know, because there's some crazy stuff going on out there. I think I think part of my challenge, um, man, I just, I mean, really, I want to say thank God for therapists. I was at my therapist last night. And, uh, you know, dealing with stuff as it relates to race, gender, um, you know, all the, the madness that we as ethnic minorities have to you know face on a daily, not just, oh, every now and then or not just once a year, like daily that the, 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 the mess is coming at us daily. So, it, you know, I just knew I needed to reach back out to him. I hadn't seen him in a while. Um, you know, you kind of get to a place, you know, if you've been doing therapy long enough kind of get to a place where you're just like, all right, I'm kind of repeating some of the same things and I need to apply some of this stuff in real time. And, um, you know, it just, it, you know, I, it, 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 you just kind of reach a place, not that you plateau and that you reach, oh, the summit, but you get to a place where you're just like, all right, this is cool. And then, you know, after about a year, it was like, I need a tune-up. <laughs> I need a tune-up. Remember, this whole season, I'm trying to kind of have an undergirded theme of self-care, therapy, counseling, therapeutic practices, and I went in and I had a chance to talk with him and yeah, man, it was just great. I caught him up. We, you know, we've, we've been able to just connect just particularly as men. That, that's been great just to have another man to talk with, even though I'm paying the brother, but nevertheless, it's, uh, it's great to have that. And again, if you don't have a therapist, you don't have somebody that's got that training. I, man, I, I just can't recommend it enough because it is so important to be able to process things that are going on internally and hit as, as you know, if you've been listening to the show or if you know me, you know, man, it has reshaped my entire worldview and ideological structure. And so I'm just so thankful for folks that, for, for good therapists. I'm thankful that I have the privilege that I can go to that, pay for it, um, and, and be able to get some help. Um, and because, you know, one of the things I took away from that session was mindful listening um, and mindful listening. Uh, when I boil a lot of it down for me um, is about it being in the moment. I don't know if you're like me, but if you're like me, I can play scenarios over and over and over and over and over in, in my brain. I'll give you an example. 
Um, you, you know me, I love TV, I love film, um, and good films draw me in. Like, I was watching Interstellar. Um, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, it's coming up, but if you haven't seen it yet, I mean, come on, why? <laughs> but anyways, I was watching Interstellar, uh, and there's the scene towards the end uh, where the characters are about to be stranded on a planet that is way out, well outside um, our solar system and, and uh, galaxy, for that matter. And they are, one of the astronauts has gone rogue. And anyways, the, the spaceship is spinning out of control. It's spinning down into the atmosphere. And Matthew McConaughey has to, you know, has to like drive over there to it. They're in space, mind you, and has to like get the rhythm with the, the rotations and, you know, counter thrusters and all that good stuff. Oh, man. And I caught myself and almost every time I see this movie um, I catch myself like oh, are they gonna make it are they gonna make it? I know they're gonna make it right cognitively I know they're going to make it I've done seeing the movie you know like 20 50 times right but when you get involved in and you immerse yourself that that uh, as as you know certain film theorists talk about this you know that momentarily you're momentarily suspending belief and you're I'm back in that I'm right in the spaceship with them and I'm like oh man are we gonna make it are we gonna make it oh man and you know and the computer's telling a man that you know we're entering the the atmosphere of the planet we're gonna start burning up they have to catch myself right it's like this is a movie and so I was fusing myself with that and so oftentimes when I have situations happen um it's easy for me to replay those things over and over and over and over in my brain and be like man shoot you know because in my brain I always win right <laughs> <laughs> I always win. Um, I always come out on top. So, yeah, yeah, and you. Now, there's a difference between, I think, productive thinking where you go in and you're like, okay, I got a meeting tomorrow. It's going to be a really, 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 really rough one. I need to, you know, think through some things like, you know, if this person says this or that. I think those are important things. Those are That's a good, healthy way. But just to sit there and to think through over and over and over and repeat scenarios over and over and over, it just, it eats away. It eats away, and I have come to the realization that that has, eats away at my soul. It eats away at who I am as a person. It makes me irritable. It makes me anxious. It gives me, quite honestly, depression. And it's difficult for me to actually focus in on with, what are the tasks of the day? What are, what are the things that I need to get done that I actually need to get done? What are the things that bring me life? I don't want to. I want to re in that thing, right? Um, and for me, mindful listening has been very, very uh, important for me as it relates to um, just getting out of that space because it's easy to get stuck. It's easy to get, it's easy to be in a spot where you don't, well, where you're just in a constant state of fray or a constant state of piss, if you will, all right? So it's very easy to then just be at least for me, in, in that state. And then that just that just produces a bunch of negative behavior that I just don't like. You know, I, you know, I get a stomach ache, my back starts to hurt, I get a headache, my blood pressure goes up, I mean, all those things, right? Um, so my therapist has walked me through what's called the ACT, um, you know, advisor. It is essentially a self kind of um, assessment, if you will on uh, you know values identification right on the left side it says i don't know what i want from life and there's a zero there all the way over on 10 uh, i'm clear about what i choose to value in my life and so you know you rate that and then the next one is like commitment and taking action i don't manage to 
act on the things uh, on, I act on the things I care about. That's a zero, right? On the other side of ten, says I identify the actions I need to take uh, to put my values into practice, and I see them through. Attention to the present. Now, this is where it gets really good. You know, I spend most of my time on an, an on attentional autopilot. Man, that is woo. Like he told me last night, he's like, you know, mindful listening can take place right as you're walking across campus. Right. You watch your footsteps like, you know, heel to toe, heel to toe. You're noticing your body. You're noti noticing your inflections, being in the present. But oftentimes when I walk across campus, to use that example, I'm thinking about where I'm going, uh, what my next meeting is going to be about. I'm, you know, I'm having that argument in my mind with that person. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I don't enjoy the moment just to be present. On the other side of that, on the 10, it says I flexibly pay attention to what is happening in the present moment. And I'm able to just let it go, you know, and say, hey, come back here, mind. You're wandering again. All right. Let's let's notice the birds. Let's notice the air. How is how's it passing past my ears? How am I breathing? Right. Uh, you know, what is that? What is my back doing right now? Just being present in that moment. That's difficult for me, y'all. It's difficult because I want to, you know, I want to think ahead. Like, OK, what's going to go on? What's going to happen here? You know, I want to want to have it all planned out. Right. The next one is the self as an observer. You know, the person I call me is my thoughts and feelings about myself. Okay, so that's a zero. That's on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, at a 10, the person I call me knows what I'm thinking and feeling, right? So that's key because it's not that you stop it and you unplug it and all of a sudden, ah, you know, the, the, the lights go on and, and, and you're, you know, you're healed and it's good to go. No, 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 no. It says the person I call me knows what I'm feeling and thinking, but it's separate from that process. Man, I'm telling y'all, I'm trying, I'm trying to get there. I'm, 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 I'm around like a three or four. And though you, those of you who are psychologists listen, you know me like, oh man. So I'm trying to disidentify, right? Because the next one is dis diffusion, right? On the zero side, it says my thoughts tell me how things really are and what I need to do. Oh man, oh man, my thoughts tell me what, yo, yo, that's some real stuff right there. <laughs> Yo, because it's so easy, right? Having those conversations, right? I'm about to tell this person off. These mother... On the other side of this, it says 10. I see each of my thoughts as just one of many ways to think about things. What I do next is up to me, okay? And what works. Man, I don't always go there. I don't. I don't. I really don't. You know what I'm saying? I'm just confessing. I'm just true confessions here uh, with y'all on the podcast today because... I want to hang on to those feelings. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to argue with that person so that I can win and let them know because there's some satisfaction, right? I mean, one of my problems is with like cell phones today is like you can't hang up well on with somebody, right? You know, it's like back in the day when you had dial dial up phones and or uh, push button phones. Man, you could hang up on somebody, y'all. Man, y'all younger folks don't know nothing about that. Man, being able to feel that clunk when you slam the phone down. All of us, well, I can't say all of us, I'm, I'm projecting. A lot of us, I would imagine, I know I can speak for myself, like having the last word, right? You know, keep it real, keep it real, right? The last word, having the last word and being able to, you know, get into the nitty gritty, right? <laughs> oh man, I know, I know that's the case for me. I know oftentimes I just I just want to be able to just be like, yep, fool, I was it. And as a black man, racially, here comes the intersectionality of it all. As a black man, I have continually not had the last word. So there's a large part of me that dominates 
I want to be able to say it because, damn it, I never get a chance to, to, to say it. I never get a chance to get away with what white folks get away with all the damn time. And so I get pissed. And so I can't. I'm fused, right, to my thoughts. And they tell me how to think and they th- tell me how to act. And I'm like, what, you know, what I need to do is like, oh, I need to go over there and you just need to tell that person off. Y'all, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. And that's where I'm at right now. I mean, all the crap that's going on, man. And, you know, thank God for the academic schedule. I thank God for the privilege that I have in the academic schedule because I get I get I get time off. You know, after I grade all the crappy little undergrad papers, man, it's just like I get time off to actually just get my mind back together. And I know not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets that, you know. Um, and there's very few people who actually get that, right? Um, but I need that. As an Enneagram 4, man, I need that, y'all. I need that time. Now, the last one is acceptance. Um, you know, on the left, it says, I constantly struggle with my thoughts and feelings, especially if I don't like them. Oh, man, who you telling? Who you telling? Like, oh, I can't believe I'm feeling that way again. Right. And then you start saying like, oh, man, I'm, you know, uh, I'm struggling. And why am I struggling? I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be depressed. Right. All that. My therapist used to give me this example of you're having a party and, you know, you have all your guests over. These are important people. But then all of a sudden a bear comes in, bursting through the, you know, the glass sliding glass door. And, you know, bears just there knocking over stuff, not necessarily killing anybody or mauling anybody. Right. It's just a friendly bear. Right. It's a friendly bear. But they're just disruptive and they're knocking stuff over. They're staining the carpet. They're dirty. They stink. And he was like, you could spend your time trying to get the bear out. But the bear is heavy. So you're going to be to push the bear out. You can spend your time trying to be frustrated or. You can just allow the bear to be and allow the way things are to be. Y'all, the lights went on for me when I heard that analogy. Because oftentimes, you know, I feel depression coming on. I feel anxiety coming on. I feel these things, right? And I just, I want to fight it. I want to, no, no, not today. My therapist like, you just, just let it be. Now, this is not to say if you haven't gotten help and if you haven't gotten some medication or if you haven't sought Um, professional help for some of those emotional and behavioral issues that you should. This is talking about like this, the day to day, the daily. Um, Again, this is not, this has nothing to do with, you know, if you haven't like, yes, I mean, and and it's identifying those feelings and it's acknowledging them and saying they are here right now. You know, this, this, this was the first year I think in my life that I took a mental health day just because I was like, I can't, I can't do it today. I'm just, I, I'm struggling getting out of bed. I'm struggling, you know, uh, making coherent thoughts. <laughs> so it's, it's a trip, y'all. It's a trip, you know? Um, and you know, so on the other side of acceptance you know, and the 10 side, it says, I willingly accept my thoughts and feelings, even when I don't like them. Y'all, um, it, it, it's deep. It's deep. My psychologist says, or my my therapist says, it says psychological flexibility is a continuous process of contacting the present moment fully without defense as it is, as a conscious human being and based on what the situation affords, changing or persisting in behavior in the service of chosen values. Whoa, whoa. The question is, are you willing to have that stuff fully and without defense at this time in this situation? Yeah. Uh huh. And do what and do what takes what it takes. Oh, no, excuse me. And do what takes you in the direction of your values, given a distinction between you and the stuff you are struggling with and trying to change 
as it is and not as what it says it is. Oh, y'all, man. Wow. Let me read that again. Are you willing to have that stuff fully and without defense at this time in the situation? And do what takes you in the direction of your values, given a distinction between you and the stuff you are struggling with and trying to change as it is and not what it says it is. So often uh, growing up in an environment where I was told my skin color, my hair, my body type, everything was wrong about me. I needed to assimilate and aspire more to whiteness. It's very easy for me to now um, be in a space where I still struggle, y'all, with my own body image, right? Like, it's difficult for me just to look in the mirror and be like, man, I'm happy with that. And that has nothing to do with like, oh, I need to lose 50 more pounds. I remember when I, I was in the best shape of my life about 10 years ago, I still struggle with my body image still struggle with it and so i don't share all this to say oh i'm better i'm sharing all this stuff to say y'all we we all in the same boat this is part of the faith that we don't talk about we don't get into it because it's 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 the tender parts of our lives it's 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 this part of our lives that one of the questions david asked me today on, on his radio show was like you know what are some of the things that make lament such a hard thing and i'm just like man it's we can't control it we can't control it Right. And that's part of the problem with like evangelicalism It's like we want to control everything. Lament. OK, well, let's lament for like a day. And OK, next back. Let's just get back into let's get back in. We got to keep focus on high focus on positivity. Yo, lament is what it is. And you can't control it. And sometimes you can't even control your emotions. People who say, oh, you're too emotional. Nigga, you emotional, too. <laughs> Shit. Um, you know, let's let's keep it real for what it really is. And. Again, I struggle with that. I ain't saying I got it all figured out. I'm just saying these are the things that I am working on. Um, And one of the things that I know for me that I'm trying to get better at because I don't want to, to, as the saying says, you know, if you don't, if you don't, what is, oh, something about bleeding. And if you don't fix that, you'll bleed on the people that love you and all this stuff. Honestly, I just don't want to bleed all over the people that love me. I don't want to bleed all over the people that are caring for me mainly my wife and my daughter, right? Um, or more close friends that are, you know, that are near to me. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to come at them in a funky way. I need to own what it is, my stuff. You know, my daughter asked me sometimes, I go, oh, what did you talk about in your meeting? I say, I, you know, what are you talking about, mom? Were you mad? I say, no, no, no. I said, you know what? I barely even bring up Emily. I barely even bring you up. I'm talking about me. This is my hour. This is my time to deal with my stuff. Cause I got a lot of stuff I got to deal with. So pray for me y'all. Cause I'm, I'm trying to work through this, trying to work through it. One of the connections that connects with today's guests, um, that I found very helpful is to begin to deconstruct the colonization around prayer. Um, I think that prayer has become a bad, a bad area because so oftentimes, right. When people say, Oh, I'm going to be praying for you. It's kind of like, I want to be on that prayer chain, right? Or, or the prayer chain that says, uh, you know, the, you know, we're gonna pray for this person, we're gonna pray for that brother, we're gonna pray for that sister, you know, uh, because they're doing something. Oh, they backslidden. I don't want to be on that prayer chain. Mm-mm. Keep, keep, keep my, <laughs> keep, keep my name out your mouth in your prayer mouth, okay? <laughs> keep it out because I don't want it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my two guests today are looking at prayer in in a deconstructive way, in a deconstructive manner. I'm not a prayer warrior. I know some people who can just pray all night. I don't. You, I got maybe 15, 20 seconds in me, and then I'm done, 
okay? <laughs> I'm just keeping it real, y'all. I'm not a, a person that just, oh, let's just pray. And man, oh, my wife can do some of that stuff, but I'm just like, oh, Lord, I'll fall asleep. Like, if I got to close my eyes, I'll fall asleep. I ain't going to front. Like, them people who pray, oh, we're going to have an all-night prayer vigil. I'm like, oh, Lord. Lord, I got about 30 seconds in me, man. And after that, I'm just done like Attila the Hun. So, y'all, um, this week I have two guests on. Now, one, Justin McRoberts, he's been on before. You can go back in the archives and check out that interview um, I did with him. I think it was last season that I did. And, uh, and, and then I have also got uh, Scott Erickson. They have written a book on prayer. Yeah. But it's a different way of looking at prayer. And I'm not going to spoil the fun because they're about to get into it and about to, you know, we're about to talk about it. I'm going to, you know, have some some uh, some space there to talk about some of those things in the prayer book. But it, I think it's important because prayer, even though it's been colonized, it's been racialized, it's been demonized, it's still part of a regiment that I know that has to be part of my, 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 my own faith life and faith development. Um, but I've been looking at what other ways to interpret um, prayer and engage with prayer, um, and particularly for my own mental health. You know, what does meditation look like? What does it mean to just be quiet and allow, again, to be present, diffuse from my own emotions and just be present with God, the cosmos, you know, allowing my feet to touch the ground, right? And to be a part of that. I mean, that's, that's, that happens in prayer. So my two guests today, um, I wanted to break this down. I wanted to kind of get into this. And that's why I took a little bit longer because I, I thought all this stuff connected. And I thought, man, this is a great week. You know, Advent season, all that good stuff, um, you know, to have these conversations around what it means to be uh, in prayer, uh, you know, given the daily grind that we, we got to do. Um, Justin, he's the author of three books, uh, Celebration of Relationship, entitled CMYK, The Process of Life Together, came out in 2012. Uh, he looked at his own creative process called Title Pending, Things I Think About When I Make Stuff, 2014, and a reflective prayer guide, okay, entitled Prayer, 40 Days of Practice, which is the one we're going to be reviewing. They self-published it first, uh, and then they, this is coming out uh, here in the uh, in the new year. So I'll put the link uh, in, the, in the show notes. Um, and like I said, Justin's been on the show before. Scott was new. He is a touring painter, all right, performing speaker or performance speaker and creative priest who mixes autobiography, mythology, and aesthetics to create art and moments that speak to our deepest experiences. Uh, using his passion and commitment to craft, Scott has been a working artist for over a decade and has had his work appear on CNN, National Geographic, and various magazines and newspaper outlets. Most recently, Scott released, again, Stations in the Street and Open Share Stations of the Cross Street Art Show that was hung by faith communities worldwide and utilized even for Tyler Perry's passion live on Fox television. So this brother, um, I, I loved having this conversation. This was a really good conversation. I had so many questions uh, in regards to prayer and what all those things, you know, mean as it pertains to uh, uh, race and gender and all those good things. So again, I don't want to spoil it. Um, Justin and Scott and I just had a really good time. So Without any further ado, here is Justin and Scott and myself talking about their book and just the spiritual practice of prayer in a deconstructed manner. Check it out. Justin and I love swearing, but we don't have to when talking about prayer. <laughs> Although some of our best prayers are just swear words. 
<laughs> I hear that. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Well, folks, welcome back to Profane Faith. I am excited to uh, talk with my two guests today. They have a book on prayer. Um, I've talked with Justin before uh, on this, so you can go back and listen to that. Uh, I, I will put that link in the show notes as well. But today we've got two authors sitting up in here, and we're going to talk about prayer. And they've already said they, they, they like to swear, but they don't necessarily have to. <laughs> Um, you know, we're going to see if we can coax some of those uh, strong letters and languages out of them. Gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. Glad to glad to be introduced that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, why don't you first introduce yourselves to the listeners um, and then talk a little bit about the inspiration for this book and, and why now? Why now of all of all times, a book like this? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. Have we been asked that question before? I don't think so. No. Why don't you take it, Scott? Why now? Uh, Okay, well, my name is Scott Erickson, and uh, I am a vocational artist, which means I've taken a vow of poverty, so I'm super spiritual. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I make, yeah, I make a living through creating visual artwork, uh, selling paintings and prints. Uh, I'm a designer, and then uh, I also do some speaking and performance art. I have a couple one-man shows that I do, and now I'm a co-author of, of a book with my friend Justin. And um, so, yeah, I tell people, when people, I tell them I'm a professional artist, they're like, huh, how do you make a living doing that? And I tell people, I do a little bit of, I do a lot of a lot of things to make a little something. So that's, that's really what it is. Um, and that's what keeps me busy. I've got three kids and a wife who's a food blogger. So I'm a professional dishwasher as well and uh, live in the Portland, Oregon area. All right. Uh, born and raised San Francisco Bay Area. I was born in Oakland. I live uh, about 25 minutes outside of Oakland now, Oakland, California. Um, played music. Uh, still play a little bit of music, but played a lot of music beginning in around 1998. Uh, and I talked a lot between songs that became storytelling, which became retreat leading and advocacy and then became books, uh, including this book with, uh, with Scott on the practice of prayer. And, you know, like, I don't know that we thought super hard about like the timeliness of the book. Um, I don't know that like, I, I know I wasn't looking around saying, Hey, this is the right time. It was more. Um, I, this was a, certainly one of those instances in which, like, uh, we created something we wanted to see in the world. Like, if you look around you and you don't see what you want to see, yeah, well, then make it or find someone who wants to help you make it. Yeah, that was more to yeah. this. So, if there was a way in which we were reading the culture to find out what was necessary. It was more that when it came to the practice of just of spirituality, specifically prayer, we weren't seeing what we wanted to see, and so we made it. Okay. I'm with that. Yeah. I like I like that. Scott, you have something? Uh, I, I think that too. I mean, I don't think we were trying to – we weren't really paying attention to the zeitgeist at the moment. We were just – Justin it, – it's funny. We I actually just saw this yesterday because I was looking through some photographs. But uh, there's actually a photo of Justin and I meeting for the first time in this mm-hmm. hotel suite at this conference we both do every year called Jubilee in Pittsburgh. Nice. And uh, it's just like sitting on a bench talking to each other. And that's like the first time we ever really sat and talked. And from there, our friendship 
uh, bloomed. And then a year later at the conference, Justin was like, Hey, I've got these prayers. Um, we should, you should. And I had been kind of in my work, I had been, um, visualizing the spiritual journey. And he was like, I think you'd be, it'd be interesting if you like, we partnered these prayers with prayer images. Um, not as, and, and I think that's a thing that we think about is like, these are two different languages. They're not, it's not like I illustrated the, the, the prayers, like, because images are a different language. So it's like, we're partnering two different languages, one using words, one using images. And, uh, and I think that's what makes our book unique. Um, and so I think we were more just obsessed and focused on the idea and then brought it out. And then we just saw it's, uh, it just, and the story of it is we self-published about four years ago for three years we just kept hustling it and it kept growing it was like a book that kind of you know it went to our people and then the next year we were getting all these sales because it was like the people's friends and then the next year we were getting all these sales which was like now their friends churches were like hey we're going to use this and so it just kept going and going and going and so we have a second one that's going to come out later in the year um, that's based on the Lord's prayer. And so mm. then we went to a publisher and now we're re-releasing our, our self-published book with penguin books. Um, yeah. and that's, uh, that's kind of this, the history of it, but we, it was something, you know, I think that's the best, uh, I think that's the best, sorry, I have a baby, so I have, I can't, sometimes I fail on words, but I think that's the, the, the greatest compliment wasn't like people knew about this book because of massive marketing. It's like the book kept going because it actually does something in the lives of people. Yeah. Um, in fact, we had this one interview with a publisher that we didn't go with, but I got like teary out on the phone. Cause she, she was like, Hey, first of all, I've been in publishing 16 years and I've never seen a book like this. So that's saying something. And second of all, I actually use it and it's been growing my uh, spiritual practice and my prayer practice. So thank you for that. And I was just, that was for us, that was like, that's, that's all that we would hope for. That's, that's all we want wow. uh, to have happen with it. So that's, uh, that's kind of where it came from and all that kind of stuff. I, I do think <laughs> I, I joke, like, I think talking about prayer doesn't feel real sexy. You know, I, I joke that it's like talking about your ab routine, like nobody <laughs> thinks they're really killing it. So it's a funny topic <laughs> to talk about because, ab um, it's not as sexy as like how you get famous or how do you make lots of money or, but really I think it's deep within us. Cause it's, it's really about like, <laughs> is there actually a way to talk and hear the voice of God in my life? And I think that's what we're all really looking for. Um, and we view our book as a helpful tool to get to that. It's not a, it's not a book to tell you how to do it. It's a book. It's, it's a tool um, to help you get honest in that conversation. I like that. I like that. No, that's good. That's good. Cause I was, you know, cause I think that, you know, for some people, you know, the how to, which is, you know, which is the question now, I mean, given all the stuff that we've got in our nation that's happening right now in our country, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see, you know, some of the practicality. What do you, what do y'all think some of the practicality? I mean, because I think prayer, you're right. I mean, I love the abs <laughs> analogy. That's awesome. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I do a sit up a year, so I, you know, I'm, I'm working on my ab game. So, um, but I think to prayer, get some more eggnog. That's right, bro. To that's get right. some more eggnog. That's exactly <laughs> it, man. Um, but I'm curious. I mean, just with like prayer, when you think about 
some of the books that are out there. I remember when I know when I was in seminary, I read a Richard Foster book on prayer and everything. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was like all yeah. these footnotes and everything and everything. So and me coming out of the academic world, what's it like to put a book like this together, the essence of it? Um, and in, in particular for the listeners, like, you know, is it going to be that footnotey thing? Is it more pragmatic? I mean, I, I have an advanced copy, obviously, but I'd love for you to kind of you know, maybe break that down a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's it's highly practical. I mean the the intent the, the the drive of the book is is not to get what we are doing, what we're thinking into someone else's mind and in someone else's heart. It's more to provide a tool by which you can excavate what's going on in your own life. So the whole thing is is angled at practicality and and, and practice, which is why it, in the title it's forty days of practice. It's not forty days of information. It's forty days of practice because in the heart of the matter. We honestly believe that if there's something good, true, and beautiful about the practice of prayer, it emanates from the activity, the exit activity of God in a person's life, in a culture, in a household. And if that's not the case, then we're just kind of, you know, we're sort of fooling around. So it's practical. It's very, very, very practical. Mm. It's also mm. simple. So it's not practical in the sense of like, here are the 10 steps and you got to do one through five first and then give yourself a break and get a yeah. water. It's simple. Uh, it's slowing down. It's reading a short, you know, tweet length prayer and meditating on a visual image uh, daily, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know an occasional break to to read something kind of relatively long form, <laughs> like a page uh, that's kind of a, 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 a not even an essay, but a reflection designed to stir up thoughts in you about the way you see your world, the way you engage your prayer the way you engage with other people, more about your posture than a how-to. It's really, really practical. I like that. Yeah, I think I, you know, in college, I had my utmost for its highest. Oswald Chambers, great book. Um, but I think, and my, my thoughts have been, and I, and I love Richard Foster, and he's uh, Streams of Living Waters, like that book changed me a, a ton. But like he we live now in a time where we have so much information coming at us every day. Yeah. And so to, so to, to demand people to read five paragraphs of our thoughts on prayer, just (laughs) kind of feels like rude in a little bit. So we wanted, yeah. I mean, I, I think we really intentionally as when Justin and I were kind of dreaming up this book, I was like, I want to make a small book. They, and I carry a backpack, you know, camera, laptop and stuff in it. And I was like, I want a book that you'd keep in your bag because it's not a burden, but you, you loved having it with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to make something that was kind of like small, but concise that had depth to it, but it didn't have the depth. Didn't mean it needed to be wordy. The depth heavy. meant, yeah, the depth meant that it was a really sharp scalpel to get to the things that you needed to get to. And so, uh, that was kind of our intention. Really, it was in, it was kind of like, hey, the iPhone and smartphones changed everything, um, and the internet and social media. And so, uh, how could we? I I I think that I have actually a running project right now, which is really viewing spiritual practices in in pivoting off of uh, smartphones because hmm. because I think that is such a device that's so predominant in our culture that uh i think that we really need to examine uh you know like i know a pastor here in town who he's like i don't assume anybody has spiritual practices anymore and the first thing i tell people to do is like hey when you get up in the morning 
take 20 minutes before you touch your phone. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. and read a Psalm or spend some time <laughs> in quiet, make some coffee and just sit for a little bit. Like, just don't touch your phone. So the spiritual practice is like addressing like a technology addiction or just this first place I want to go to hear a narrative about my world. And, uh, I started, uh, I, I'm, uh, I started, I did this like Ignatian prayer practice that was like nine months of these kind of prayers. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I really affected me from that was going there, you know, how much of the narrative of my life is being dictated by what I see through a screen, because like, it's all, all our narratives are made up. All our narratives are our minds synthesizing information and making a story out of it. And so spending time in like some contemplative prayer or centering prayer, or just even silence, like for nine months, or there was for a year, I just woke up, made coffee, and I just sat in my living room in the dark. And I just said, mm. what do you want to talk about? Because Jesus says, your father in heaven already knows everything you need to say before you say it. And I was like, well, what would you talk about then? You know, I mean, I don't need to bring this laundry list of <laughs> things I got to say. You mean like these missionaries won't die if I don't pray for them every day? You, you know, like I'm saying, like there's a Watch lot out of... Now prayer that becomes this burden on us and we start to think like it's on me like i'm some spiritual wizard and i'm holding it all together and so i i spent a significant year just being silent and and had a lot of really mundane mornings and had some pretty profound scattered mornings through there so it yeah i think that's kind of where we're heading people is like you're overwhelmed with narratives start off hearing the voice of love hearing the voice of god um and let that start to dictate the narrative of the day wow justin do you have anything you want to add to that no i love that that's strong that's yeah. good that's good see that'll that'll preach in my tradition we'd say that's a, you know that'll, that'll preach right there well yeah. i think uh <laughs> i think what i love about this book is the pragmatics of it right <laughs> it's like you can look at it um, and not that I'm against the footnoting and all that stuff like that, but I think there's something about pragmatically coming to and practically coming to prayer and what that looks like um, in somebody's daily routine. How would, let me see, I got a couple questions rumbling through my mind here uh, as it relates to just this book and everything. But let me let me step back from that for a second. And, and what were, I mean, as you, you said, you um, self-published this, correct? The first round? Yeah, first time through um, a while ago, a couple of years ago, uh, we put it out just on our own, independent release, did all the publishing on our own, editing on our own, um, for for a bunch of reasons. But yes, we did. Okay. And what and, and as it grew, as you said, it grew, I mean, what were some of the reactions from people? How did people engage with it? How did people, you know? Um, you know, to, uh, honestly, David, the thing that wasn't, the thing that stood out for me wasn't so much, uh, it, it was the, the the place and the nature of the reactions. In other words, like, and you know this as, as an author and as a, as, a, as a professor, you put something in the room or you put something, uh, uh, you know, in the world on the internet and you generally have a set of hopes and and expect yeah, hopes and expectations. Yeah. yeah, things that like you you really hope this that this does. And like let's say there are five of them. You want you know one through five. I would love if one through five happened. And then what ends up happening almost almost all the time is maybe two of those three are met, and then the other three you either have to hold really loosely or let go of. And then there are some other things that happen with it that are also good and also bad. And you know, does that make some sense? Like here are yeah. the targets I'm aiming at. 
I'm pretty sure I'm going to miss most of these or at least half of them, but I'm also expecting some other things to come into the door. The thing that happened with this project that was really different for me as an artist, you know, after 20 years of making stuff, and I think Scott will resonate with this too, is this is one of the, one of the few and only times like I've put something in the world and had really specific expectations that were almost entirely met that like what I wanted to see happen with the populace of people that I wanted it to see happen in happened. Like it wasn't just that there was positive feedback, people coming back and saying, Hey, this makes sense. This resonates with me. Like I have kind of a renewed sense of at least the possibility of a connection with the divine, but like the kinds of people and the, like the specific populace of folks, mm-hmm. folks who either had been disenfranchised or disenfranchised themselves, folks who didn't have a religious tradition, religious tradition, people who are on the, so the outskirts would be on the outskirts, yeah. that those people were responding and saying, hey, I'm clicking with this. This really resonates with me. Songwriters who are like outside the Christian marketplace, um, you know, you know, artists who are, you know, beyond sort of the, the Christian art market who are resonating with the piece. The fact that that was happening, like that was for me the most, a poignant indicator that we were really actually on to something. It was actually doing the thing that, and you and I have talked about this before, David, it was, it was like, it was actually doing the thing that, that white Western evangelical uh, creative efforts claim to want to do, which is we want mm. to connect with people who aren't part of our culture already. And then, you know, we settle for like out of a crowd of a thousand, two or three people show up because they came with their friends. <laughs> right. Like, Oh look, our outreach is working. Oh crap. That's not true. Like this was like, no, this thing that we're doing actually is connecting with people who don't, who not only don't resonate with, you know, Christian language and Christian practice, but like dislike and are, and have purposefully dis divorced themselves from the Christian marketplace, from Christian expression. And at the same time, it's resonating with people within the, you know, the walls of churches. But that was the byproduct. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to create something that we know will sell to people within our own tribe, like existing tribe. No, we want to create something for folks who don't have a tribe. We don't feel like they have a tribe yet. And then the secondary peripheral thing that happened was the people within the walls of the church also thought, hey, this actually clicks with me too. Mm, I like that. I like it. Well, that was going to be one of my questions, right? It was like, you know, are there people, I mean, when they people say, you know, that that's the hashtag, right? Ex-evangelical, or I forget the actual, right, right, right. it's right around that. And, you know, and what, what that, you know, what that crowd, would that be something this was, this, you know, folks could pick up? I mean, resoundingly, at least in my research, to pop back on, put on my academic hat, I've found that the folks that I've been engaging with and interviewing, you have a strong dislike towards dogma and and church and whatnot but there's still a search for the supernatural and deity and so prayer lines right in with that liturgical process of connecting with that that arena this is what i find so fascinating about this 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 text so i just wasn't sure if that's something y'all picked up with as well yeah it was pretty intentional and scott can go on a little bit here about the about sort of the like one of the mantras of the book uh, or behind the book is that prayer, you know, we pray because we're human and not because we're religious. That's a pretty important element of this for us. Mm, I like that. As it relates specifically to like the people we, like that we resonate with uh, culturally. Yeah. Is this, was that the baton handoff? That's the handoff. That's me. <laughs> oh, that's me yeah. That's me. That's me. That's me, <laughs> that's me coming to the end of my like 105 meter second leg. <laughs> And passing and saying stick. That's so right. That you can put your hand back. 
<laughs> that was your Scotty Pippen toss up to me, and Michael Jordan. Oh yes, exactly. that's exactly. the era, man. That's the era. <laughs> uh, I think in this yeah, scenario think, you might be Luke uh, Longley, but we'll, let's let's go regardless. <laughs> oh man, if we're gonna do uh, that, let's, it's probably more John Stockton. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he never played for the Bulls. Holmes, he's never trading teams. I know. Oh, I know. Man. I'm just saying. I'm not even in. I think you mean. I think you mean John Paxton. No, Paxton. I'm, just stuck, I'm stuck in Utah. I mean, we got Carl Malone, but it's just me. Uh, anyways, uh, I yeah, I think we for us for us we just think we we have the audacity to believe that God is already speaking in all of our lives. Um, and it's not about, it's not about like adhering to a set of ideas as much as awakening to the fact that, uh, you have an originator or, you know, like, who are you and why are you here? And so, um, you know, they say like, no, there's no atheists and foxholes and stuff like that. And that there's, you know, that's an interesting statement. Uh, <laughs> certainly are, but there's, yes. it's a, it is an interesting statement and, but I, I do think that all of us at some moment have just gone like, what is this? Or I need help. I mean, I love that Anne Lamont says my best prayers are help me, help me, help me. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm an artist and I've, I, and I'm, I'm with artists all the time. And I just start and be like, look, you're already in a divine conversation. Like, where does inspiration come from? Where do those ideas come from? Yes. Like, you're already in a conversation with something mystical. Um, yes. It's just, and, and, and then I think what religion wants to do is, is because it likes to gather territory, it goes, yeah, and that name is God, you know? And it's like, well, <laughs> I, even, in my own, even in my own life, when people are like, it's amazing to see how God gives you things. I'm like, yeah, if you need that word, great. I mean, I, I do think it's God, but it's like, it's, it's not necessary for me to label it as much as I know there's a voice that, that, that I'm in conversation with. So, yeah, which is like, and that, that line is, and that distinction is actually becoming more and more important. It's like, if you want to call that God, that's fine. I can call it God too, but let's not pretend that we always mean the same thing and let's be okay with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's be okay with like, when, when you say that I'm, I, you and I might not mean the same thing. And some of that comes to the whole Janus story of all the of the blind people and the elephant, and like it's a trunk and it's a rope and it's a wall and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, some of it is that, but like the fact that when we do, when we have these conversations, and someone says, you know, isn't it great how God gives you things? They have like a really specific functionality in mind about how like the divine mm -hmm. dispensation of gifts works. And I might not buy that, but we can still have a conversation if we agree and appeal to kind of a broader sense of like the divine interacting with human life. Yeah. 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 Like I, I had a pretty formative story. I worked at this church in Houston, Texas, and there was a, a, a pretty famous, he's still alive, <laughs> a famous uh, ar ar architect that went to our, our, our church and he surfed and he's in his like 50s. And so we went surfing and I, we were driving back and his name's David Guthrie. And I was like, Hey David, how did, uh, how did you come to uh, faith in Jesus? And he, and he's like, well, I started doing Tai Chi in my late teens, early twenties. Mm. And in Tai Chi, I started hearing this voice that was really beautiful and peaceful. And that's what kept me into Tai Chi. And I've done it for 30 years, loving that voice. And then 30, about a few years ago, uh, 
I, that voice started saying some things that I recognized as the Bible. <laughs> he's like, so wow. I started reading the Bible. I was like, where did you start? And he's like, I started in the book of Romans. I was like, you started in Romans? <laughs> so brutal. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, and the voice that I found in Romans was the same voice I had been hearing for 30 years in Tai Chi. So if wow. somewhere along wow. on that journey, while he was just still interacting with the voice in Tai Chi, and I was like, yeah, but that's God in my idea of God, you know, and I had yeah. to fight for that. I'm thwarting the work that the originator of David is already doing. So yeah. I think there's just like this, I think for us, Justin and I were both like, uh, God, the giver of our existence is working in people's lives and we need to honor that work in his time frame instead of our own need to gain territory or go who's on whose side and that right. kind of stuff. Yep. And so I think that's, so what our intention was, was to go, let's, honor that voice and that work inside of people and just help people to, to make space for that. And we have this, we made, we're new to like the publishing world. So one of the things they want you to do is uh, make these author videos where uh, you yes. talk about your book yes. and they sent us a bunch of them and they are the cheesiest. I'm going to say it. <laughs> they are the cheesiest yeah. shit yeah. Uh, that we've ever seen. Yes. And I was like, I don't want to make anything like that. So we, we set up and we did this whole thing with, some jokes and we we had this uh can of tuna actually white salmon or pink salmon pink and salmon. uh because our analogy was like uh you know the what we're trying to get to is like the ever present ongoing interior conversation with god and that's the that's the pink salmon now the casing is is all the stuff that prevents us from getting there like our fear our ego the busyness and noise of our lives and so we view our book as like a can opener. So like each handle is like the words and the images and that can opener helps to get us to that conversation. Wow. Um, and so we, uh, what we're, that's how we see our book is not like, Hey, here's how you should talk to God. It's like, Hey, let's just help you get to what's really inside of you. So Justin's really wonderful, uh, poetic and like uh, prayers they, they give you a space for you to enter in where you're at at it. And then the images, a function of imagery that's really helpful is you can be, you can look at imagery and go, what does that mean? But another, a really great function of the visual is what is this pulling out of you? What is this excavating out of you? And because you, you mirror yourself in the images, you go, well, I, it makes me think of this. And all of a sudden it's like re revealing something about you. Right. Um, and so we're, we're trying like, what our intention was, was like, I think if we wanted to invite people into prayer, wherever they're at, if they come from a tradition, if they adhere to a set of beliefs or they just don't know, or they don't have any tradition, we can at least go, Hey, there's a conversation inside of you about existing and about the giver of your existence. And we want to help you get to that. And if yes. you're, because I think that's where it really starts. I mm. think, I, mm. I think people go, I, I don't know if I can enter into the, the there's a you know like when we're like i'm a part of a church and i love the church but i understand that we ask people to do a lot of cultural things to participate in that and some people who don't have any experience or it's unfamiliar or feel like that structure is against them because of who they are in the world mm -hmm. it's hard for them to go well this is how i participate to talk with god and and we're just like no just start in your own incarnation 
start there and then let's see where that leads you. And yeah. just as a, as a note here, I know we're going on a little bit here, David, but like oftentimes, uh, and a part, I don't know, part of what you do with, with the podcast here is just sort of make sure we're really clear about what we're saying about cultural spaces. Oftentimes when from an evangelical standpoint, we say like, Hey, you know, we want to meet you where you are. The, the unspoken back half of that sentence is so we can get you where we are. Like I'll meet you there. Come on. Come on. But, but the hope is, and the expectation, the plan more to the point is that I'll meet you where you are and I'll meet you where you are so long as there is kind of an unspoken agreement that at some point you will eventually come to my side of things. If, at some point I'll meet you, I, I will make you in my, I'll meet you where you're at. But yes. At some point I'm going to make you in my image. Yeah. <laughs> Culturally. And what we're trying to do with the book, what I would love to do with the rest of my life in terms of culture and expectation of other people is like, I'm going to meet you where you are and I will help you figure out what's going on in your life. And you will get to wherever the spirit of God is mo- moving you to and whoever you are becoming on God's terms, according to your own life, as opposed to I'll meet you where you're at, but eventually I'm going to make you look like me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, and, and you and I, David, we've talked about this. That happens institutionally in, in academics. It happens in, in church settings. It happens in books. It ha- like, and it's that sick, weird, manipulative thing that we've been not knowing that we were needing to fight against for a long time. Yeah. That, which is why it's so important that when I talk about like, we want to know what the, I want you to, I want you to be able to hear the voice of God in your life. What I don't want to mean by that, which is the coded thing that gets communicated by like the vast majority of evangelical uh, like prayer and devotional material is, I want you to hear what I think you should be hearing. Here's, here's what I want to guide you to. I want to guide you to hear what I think you should be hearing from God. And if you're hearing these things, that's probably God. If you're hearing, quote unquote, the word of God, you're hearing not just the scriptures, but my interpretation of the scriptures and the meanings and the applications of those scriptures as I interpret them in my own cultural context. If I can get you to hear that, then you would have heard God. What we want to say with the book is like, I don't have the first goddamn idea what's actually <laughs> happening in your life, in your heart, in your culture. I have no real, I have no idea. I have no real authority. He, who has authority uh, is, is that the actual spirit of God. What I want to give you permission to do is to pay attention to what's actually happening in your heart. That you, you would pay attention. You would hear it. You would see it. And then I can help you bear witness to that. I can help you take action steps. I can help you make an action plan. But I don't want to project my shit on your life mm. as if like – I've like, I know what you're supposed to hear and I'll know what it is when you hear it. No, you get to know what it is when you hear it. And if it takes you three or four years, 10 years to figure out that that was the voice of God, that's cool. And I'll still be here. That's what we're trying to do with the book is set a different tone for what it means to have devotional life. Ooh, Ooh. that's what I'm talking about. I mean, (laughs) and, and so I'll say this, I mean, as having gone through this book, I will say that there is a sense of, Uh, I've said practicality, but I want to go beyond that. There's a sense of universality on this. And I'll be honest. I mean, I, you know, I, I, there, there are requests that I get for, you know, from podcasts and stuff. Now that the, now that the the episodes are growing and everything. And there are some that I'm just like, I don't know if this is the show for you. Okay. Um, I, you know, I'll get an advanced copy or whatever. And I'll be like, "Eh, it's still a little bit too evangelical. Exactly what, uh, Justin, you and Scott were just talking about, right? It's like, I want to reshape it, but this book doesn't. I mean, I think about here, you know, one of the prayers, I mean, I'm, I'm as, as you guys are talking, I mean, again, these are just things that just get you to pause. It's almost like a theological gut punch. It's like, may I learn what it means to have enough and abandon the relentless pursuit of more. I mean, come mm-hmm. The F on. I mean, it's like, <laughs> and I mean, and that hits everywhere. I mean, it's like the relentless pursuit of 
more tenure or more publications or, you know, I don't, I can, I can be easy to go. Oh, I don't need the 42 inch, you know, or 52 inch plasma or whatever and stuff like that. But the relentless pursuit of more, I mean, you have another one in here that talks about, um, before I see someone as a problem. Now, this is where I think it speaks to where we're at as a country, especially what's happening on our Southern border. Before I see someone as a problem, may I mm. see them as a human being? I mean, goddamn. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i it's yeah my i got a friend in town who's a pastor and, and he uh he was he was doing some research on mlk and uh mlk the year before he got shot um he did a sermon on against the vietnam war mm, yes yes and, yes yes and uh, like 250 publications denounced their support of him after that sermon. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and Kurt and he said something. He was just Kurt said something. He's like, I don't. He's like, he's like, it's interesting because we have so much time for Martin Luther King. We just go, yeah, he's great. But he's like, but if if you if Colin Kaepernick is somebody who's really highly offensive to you. Because of you King would Union. not have liked Dr. King. <laughs> he's like, you don't know what Martin Luther King was doing. Right. And he's like, if you don't know what Martin Luther King was doing, you definitely don't know what Jesus was doing. Woo! No. And I, I, we've had lots of conversations about that. I was just like, you know, because many of those people, let's like say in the caravan. Yeah. Many of those people are Catholic. Like if you imagine the majority it's not the many majority. like the overwhelming majority of those people okay. so if you imagine going to the table and you could go and you could go to a, the cosmic table that jesus is providing they're there mm. do you and like mm. i think if you hold to some kind of belief where you know you know the only thing that i could see that we really should do at a church service is communion i mean there's not much that jesus is like you should do this but he's like do this you know this is this is the thing you should do and baptism but that's like one time so if we have this kind of ritual this habit if we can imagine a cosmic setting where that table has been provided to all who believe like the caravan is very well very much at the table with all everybody else. And I, yeah. I think when we talk about that's like, that's the scandal that Jesus is bringing us into is like, mm -hmm. Hey, the disruption of how you think the world works or <laughs> really it's like you, the fear of poverty coming into your wealth. Um, that is what I'm, I'm leading you into because that is your salvation. And mm -hmm. um, so I, I'll just leave it at that. I don't, I'm not trying to write a book about it or anything. I just, I, that I'll just say somebody is like, I take, I take Jesus very seriously. And I find his teachings and his invitation really difficult mm. because it doesn't allow me to, to dis dismiss anybody. Wow. Um, and, and there's so many people I'd like to easily dismiss. Um, mm -hmm. But he, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, since we, when we talked about prayer, but I, I had a moment in prayer where I, I was like, how, how do I experience you more? Like, where, where can I find you more? And I heard the voice say, look for me and everybody you meet. I'm hiding out in there. And I, that has been my like invitation wow. in my life 
the last year is to just, even to really like people I don't like, but just, I hear it and go, there's like God incarnate, the creator has given something to this, the spark of life to this person. And I need to look for that. I, that's, that's the real that I need to find in the person, like their childhood and the things they've gone through have kind of could have have messed them up in a lot of ways to make them really hard to deal with, but like it's in there and I need this, I need to see it through those compassionate eyes. So, uh, but that came, that came, that perspective came out of a prayer practice. It came out of getting to that conversation. Wow. You know, I mean, and I'll say this, I mean, I think, you know, that I think prayer um, and Justin, you and I talked about this the last time I had you on, um, like prayer looks differently than I think. And at least the, the way as I read this, it looks differently than the way I was taught to pray. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get up in the morning, do your devotionals. I mean, I've heard it over and over and over. You don't start the day right with God. You know, your whole day is just messed up. And I was like, well, <laughs> I, all right. But utilizing this book and engaging with it is it's it's like you said, because it, it, there is that process. I will say that that process and it does take time because I think there's so many layers that God has to work through uh, within us. I mean, at least I know for me, I mean, to get to a place where I'm even even ready to hear certain things. And I found it, you know, it's like an ongoing journey. But that only has happened when I'm in the car, stuck in traffic. Right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I can turn the radio off because it's been a long day and I'm tired of hearing whatever's on there. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, whoa, God, that's some deep shit you just brought up. Like, I, whoa, yeah, I didn't even think yeah. about that. And that's what I kind of see this book, which is why I'm so excited about it. I mean, this is something that I would assign in a class, you mm. know, it could be at a communication class. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a quote unquote ministry class. This is something that folks can take away with and and walk through, if that makes sense. I don't absolutely does. And that's part, again, that's, that's part of the hope, man. We, that's what we want folks to be able to do is it, it should be portable. It should fit into your life because what's, it's what's going on in your life. that actually matters. That's, that's real content. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's yeah. please, please pitch that to colleges everywhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and that's just it. I mean, and that's, uh, again, one of the great things about, you know, um, doing what I do is being able to read, you know, a whole bunch of different material. And, and this one was definitely one of them that I'm like, Oh man, this is something because again, it's, you can get at it and you can keep, you, you keep coming back to it. It's not like you read it once and then you, you know, it's like, Oh, well I read that. It's like, no, wait, let me come back to that materialism thing. Let me, let me come back to, I think one of the things you guys said was like, you know, to have the bravery to believe that everything you do matters. I mean, that's, that's something that speaks to me as a black racially man, um, ethnically, I'm Mexican American, African American, you know, who was told for many years that, you know, my stuff really doesn't matter. You got to do it this way. And if you're not doing mm. it this way, it does not matter. I mean, so that's something as I read that, I was like, whoa, the confidence. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So, yeah. And those are some things that I think, you know, stuff like that. It, it, there's, there's, and again, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but for those of you listening, it's like, I think mm. that, that that's, something the LGBTQ community we can engage with. That's something that us as ethnic minorities can engage with. That's something folks who are in the activist community can engage with. So yeah, man, Yeah, this is yeah. some, this is some I'll, good I'll stuff. It's really great that you're saying that uh, like, I'll meet people be like, I got your book. I read it in like a day. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Cause it's, it's really, <laughs> <laughs> it's no Dostoevsky, you know, but, <laughs> That's but right. did it, 
but then I turn it and let me, I'll play on words. I'll be like, but did it read you at all? Mm. And that, and I think that's what it is. It's like, yeah, you can go through it, but then one will hit you Mm -hmm. and, and you'll be like, oh, that one. And it's like, that's where you should start. That's where you need, you don't like, we give a guy, we give like, you can do this for 40 days. Like there's like prayer one, prayer two, but it's more like, Hey, just kind of go through. And if there's one that hits you, it's like, that's the invitation right there. Yeah. That's yeah. the one, that's yeah. the one that you should spend time with and go, why? And just like what you did, it's like, Oh, but I, my, does my voice matter? Like it hasn't for so long. And what would it mean to even consider that in my unique perspective? Does God, is he, is God involved in the incarnate reality I'm in right now? Is, is God aware of it? You know, and all of a sudden it's like all of a sudden, they, see, that's the content. It's not our, it's not our content. It's the content is you, <laughs> is your life. Yeah. That's, that's what we're just trying to help you get to. Um, yeah. That, that's exactly what's happening. Man. Woo. I'm loving that, man. I'm loving that. And Woo, we just had church. That's it, man. We got to pass the, the Patreon plate now around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Patreon plate. That's Come right, on. man. Come on. Come on. Come just on. Put your monthly subscriptions in there and just pass it around. That's right. Oh, man. Gentlemen, this has been an amazing uh, conversation. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Even 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 though the Zoom cut out, I loved it. I mean, this is this has been um we got it back. Um, yeah, we, exactly. We got it. We got it right back. Talk about how you come back. Um. So, final thoughts, and then uh, you know, where can folks find you when they want to bring you out and uh, you know, get you in the Smithsonian and get that book, uh, you know, platinumized <laughs> and all that good stuff. Yeah, if you just go to 40, 40 daysprayerbook.com is the best launching pad for all things related to the book, and then just searching either Scott. Erickson or Scott the Painter. If you're too much Scott, there's a baseball player named Scott Erickson. Yeah, but Scott Erickson, Scott the Painter, uh, or Justin McRoberts. There's no baseball player named Justin McRoberts. <laughs> there was a Josh McRoberts who played for Duke. Then I think he played for the Lakers or something in the NBA. I don't think it went all that well for him long term. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's where you can find us. And Justin and I speak on all kinds. of Justin has really great content on creative process and creativity. And, uh, and then just kind of spiritual practices. And I, I do stuff on creativity and also on just kind of spirituality. I have a new show, like a one man show performance piece called say yes, a liturgy of not giving up on yourself Mm. that I'm, that I'm performing that just deals with what do we do with the voice of giving up in our lives? And, um, what do we do with our existence when we don't want to be there anymore on a spectrum from just numbing ourselves with binge watching something to all the way to like, I just rather not be here as a person. So, mm. uh, and it's like a fun comedy. <laughs> it sounds weird to say it's a comedy about suicide, but it's, uh, it's like, a, just, a, it's like teaching and comedy and music yeah. and art. And it's, it's trying to talk about a thing that we all deal with in like the most fun way. And it gets real too, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. Wow. This sounds yep. this this is some good stuff, man. And you know, for those of you listening, I again I will put all these in the show notes. Go check these brothers out. Uh, the book is Prayer: Forty Days of Practice. Justin McRoberts and Scott Erickson. Man, thank you both so much for coming on and just and just having this great conversation. You're yeah, quite man. welcome. Thanks for having us on, man. Thanks for having us. <laughs>